0: Good how are ye? Welcome to the Candle of Tales podcast. We're going to tell you a story, episode 168 of the origin of Owen Maka, known as the story of Maka. Now, for those of you who know the curse of Maka, it's not this one, it's the other one. My name is Aaron and Sirka is telling today's story and also Sorka's birthday is today as we release this podcast. Happy birthday, Sorka. She is having a big birthday and we're very excited for next week to be Sharing live storytelling in MVP as we tell the stories of the Fianna in our Brotherhood story, also linking in with a lot of mythic places. As this season is all about mythical places in Ireland, thanks for reaching out to us and giving us some suggestions. Thanks to our Patreon supporters for going to Canada Tales, no, I mean Patreon.com for slash Canada Tales and supporting us there. And thanks for listening, lads. We really appreciate it. Sarka tells the story absolutely beautifully. Take it away, sis. Happy birthday, and go on, tell us the story.
1: Awen Maka. There's a little area just as you come in to the visitor's centre, where there are cloaks and shields. You can look, you can pick up the things that people would have worn back then. And around the side, there's a reconstruction, a hut, And you can see where people cooked and slept and how they lived behind their walls, under their thatched roofs, the round shape of the house. And you must cross a little boarine and climb to get to the fort itself. A circle on a circle the height at the top with the view all around Ardvaka, the county of Arma named after a goddess wed to Nemed who was there before the Danann, long before the Sons of Mel and the fort itself well Was it a fort? There is evidence of burning. It's written all around. Burning's deliberate, again and again. Perhaps a ritual Though no one can say for sure. Even the stories cannot say for sure. The name is ambiguous, Awen Maka, Makas, that's certain, but awen it could mean the twins of Maka, for the woman who raced against Groor Macnessa and cursed his men for nine generations as she lost her twins for his cruelty. It could be the brooch of Macca. And that's another story. Long before the Cray of Rua, long before Cú and the Red Branch and Crora MacNessa and Fergus MacRoy, Ulster was ruled by three kings. Every seven years, when the High King held his feast at Tara and gathered all the rulers of Arden together, one of them would go. They took it in turns. For seven years, the Rua would rule. For seven years after that, Dehrva would rule. And for seven years after that, Kimbeth would take the throne. And so they went year on year, each one ruling for seven years and then handing over to the next man. All of them had children. And they were shaping out to be worthy successors in their own right. One in particular stood out. El Rua had a daughter called Maka. She was an incredible warrior strong, swift, and skillful. A little ruthless, a little rash and perhaps a little too good for the balance that was kept between the three families. At least, that was how she interpreted the looks she got from the other two kings when she came and stood at her father's feet, when he sat in the throne of Ulster. But still, Maka did not expect it. Their betrayal. Eru had drowned in a waterfall in Donegal, and the foals took his name from that day forward, Aserro. And when Maca went before the two kings of Ulster and told them that she was ready to take her father's place in their seven-year succession, she was shocked when they said No. She was at first too shocked to be angry. She stood before them. Solemn, of course, because the occasion was grave. But, smiling slightly, prepared to accept the honor of being embraced into this triple kingship. And she found the smile froze on her face. And it took a while for it to slip away. And so she was still smiling at them when they told her that she would not rule Ulster ever and she could not succeed her father at all. And by the time she realized that she was smiling at them as if she agreed, they had turned their heads aside and were talking as if she had already left. And so when her mouth fell open and her face flamed with fury, no one was even looking at her. She had already been dismissed. She would not be dismissed for long. She took all her fury and her hurt and her embarrassment at her own reaction, and she stalked out of the hall of the Kings of Ulster. She was a direct woman, and with Ditherva she took a direct approach. She challenged him to a fight, to the death, a single combat. For reasons best known to himself, this man, Dehrva, who was the age of her father and well past his prime, seemed to think that he could beat Maka in single combat. She'd expected him to nominate a champion. She felt a little embarrassed when he decided to take her on himself. He was so old. Of course, he was not in fact that old. Only to her it seemed so. Only to her who could tell how time had robbed his muscles of their strength and speed. And she noted all those little catches in his rhythm and his movement, his joints that creaked, the grey in his temples and the grey in his beard, It was so easy for her to slip between and under his guard and skewer him with her blade. The shock on his face seemed different to her than the shock of most men. It was not just that he was surprised to die. He was surprised to die by her hand, and Maka realized that for some reason, this man had never really seen her before. Maka had always been a warrior, and as a warrior she would liked the finer things. She liked to dress her hair. She liked to dress herself well, to adorn herself with gold and jewels fit for a king's daughter. And she had not realized until the moment that she killed the second king of Ulster... How to some people that made her less, that made them discount her. When they looked at her they might only see the jewels and the fine clothes and the beautiful hair and the soft skin and not notice the muscles under that soft skin slid hard and smooth. And that her grace, when she moved, was not the grace of a pampered pet, but the grace of a stalking cat. That one might see her and not see her at all. And now Deirva was dead. And there was one king on the throne of Ulster, Kimbeth. And she knew that she could challenge Kimbeth as well, and she could take this throne by blood and by force, as many had before and many would after her. But as she stood there over her fallen foe, she began to think, and she began to wonder, that perhaps this strange blindness, this camouflage she unwittingly cultivated, perhaps she could use it to her own advantage after all. And perhaps there was a way for her to take what was hers without more bloodshed. She might have a way to show them who she was without having to kill them in the process. And so she approached Kimbeth differently. She approached him with a smile. Kimbeth, she could admit to herself, had always been the one she liked the best. He was a little younger than the other two and a lot handsomer. Although he had sons that were Maka's age, Maka had always liked the way he smiled. She'd always liked the line of his jaw. And the grey in his hair did not seem a weakness to her, as it had when she saw it in the Herba. It gave him a distinguished look. And so she went to him and told him that there was another way for her to get to the throne of Ulster. And he knew that way as well as her. And it was a more agreeable way than the two of them fighting. And Kimbeth was a good man to pick up on a hint that was dropped in front of him, and so he asked Maka to marry him, and she agreed. Taking the throne of Ulster was not as bloodless as she might have hoped. Even with Kimbeth married to her, and they were dead, Derva's sons stirred up in rebellion against her. And she had to fight a battle against the five of them and drive them out of Ulster forever. But then it came to Kimbeth's sons. They did not approve of this marriage. They did not like to see their father, the consort of the woman king of Ulster. A step down in their eyes. For she was the ruler. And all could see it. And so they went to Connacht. And there they began to build a power base for themselves. With the ambition of returning one day to Ulster. And taking back their father's crown. Even against his will. Now Maka knew that even if her kingship could survive another rebellion, her marriage couldn't. And she needed to go against them with a different weapon, not open warfare. And so she thought again of that other weapon that was her beauty, that she had honed all these years unknowing. And she left her husband in charge of the kingdom for a while, and she went in disguise to Connacht. She left behind all the armor of her station, all the fine jewels, all the gold, the beautiful cloak, the beautiful rings on her fingers, the ornamentation, the ostentation, and went armed only with the beauty of her person and her face she dressed herself in rags like a beggar and she went and she found the Kimbeth's sons she made her way to their camp out in the forest where they were gathering support and she made her way up to it and she asked to share the warmth of their fire And although the Sons of Kimberth had met Maka many times, they'd never met a humble beggar woman so beautiful. They did not know her. She was not wearing her gilt and her gold. She was not carrying her weapons. She was not standing as a warrior. She was standing as a penitent. And so they let her in by the fire. And she sat beside the eldest son, sat close to him, looked at him through her eyelashes, laughed at his jokes, and after a while asked him if he would like to take a walk with her further into the forest. And she came back a little while later alone. And she sat next to the second son and did the same smiled at him, cozied up to him. And whether it was because of the drink he had drunk or because of the intoxication of her presence, it did not cross his mind to ask this woman why she'd come back to the fire alone and where his eldest brother was. And so a little while later, when she asked him to walk with her into the forest, he walked with her, And so did Kimba's third son. And so did his youngest. And each one of them, when they were away from the fire, out of earshot and full of expectation, each one of them turned to Maka, each in turn. And each one of them she overpowered silently, tied them and trust them, and left them on the forest floor. And when she'd caught all four of the sons of Kimbeth, she drew her sword and told them to march back to Ulster. And she brought them back, back to where the king sat then, and on to a hill she had in mind. And she told them that there would be no punishment for them But this, that they were to dig for her a fort, a great fort, that would be the seat of the kings of Ulster from that day on. And she took out her brooch, the brooch she usually wore, fine and ornate, and fastened with a long pin. And with the pin she traced the outline. Where they should dig the fort, the outer walls and the inner. Where should go the trenches, where the ditches, where the ramparts. And so that fort was dug by the sons of Kimbeth. And it was called forevermore the brooch of Maka. Awan Maka. This podcast was produced and edited by Oisín Ryan
0: and Alan Holman.
1: You can find out more about us on our website candlelittales.ie.
0: And we're on all social media, so like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at CandleItTales or send us a message or get onto our mailing list.
1: For more videos and live streams like and subscribe to our CandleItTales YouTube channel which now has a CandleItTales for kids playlist. Hashtag CandleLittleTales.
0: Liking and subscribing to our channel really helps us grow and get to more people and if you're able to give us more direct support you can chip in a few bob at patreon.com forward slash or make a one time donation through the PayPal button on our website website.
1: We also do really like to hear back from you with your questions and requests. So please feel free to contact us directly or leave your question in the comments section below. Because what we really want to do is get these stories out there, share them with as many people as possible. So anything you can do to help, we really appreciate.
0: And we really appreciate you listening.